Hi, this is Brett Terpster and Christina Warren. You're listening to Overtired. Oh my God, I'm tired. How are you, Christina? Um, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm finally feeling better. I had a cold this week, which um, is not great for the end of the year when so many things are happening. Yeah, that it, yeah. I haven't gotten a cold for years. It's because nice. I don't leave the house and I don't talk okay. to anyone. Well, okay. So being a hermit is good for that. Yeah. No, I had a serious cold, like sneezing, coughing. You know. Um, Running nose, the whole the whole gamut, the whole the whole classic cold thing. I'm sorry. And I usually don't sneeze. But this was like a sneezy cold. I was like, wow, man. Oh, and there's nothing worse than sneezing when you have a stuffy nose. No, there's not. It can get messy. It it can get gross. <laughs> when anytime I do go, I like when I go to doctor's appointments, I always just grab the mask. Even if I'm alone in the waiting room, I sit there with a mask on because God knows what people have breathed in there. So you're one of those people. I am. I, I should just live in Japan. I was going to say, you would look perfectly at home in Asia. Yeah. I would feel at home. No, I really wouldn't. No, you really wouldn't. I, I'm fascinated by the idea of visiting Japan. I want to do it. But I know that that like the more I study their culture, the more I realize it would be so foreign to me. I would never feel comfortable. I mean, not like... I wouldn't be uncomfortable. I would be. I would enjoy it, but I would never like just feel at home. Cause I'm a upper middle class American, white boy. A white boy, white boy from uh from the Midwest, baby. Plus, I'm six feet tall, which in Japan would be rather towering. It could be worse. Yeah, my friend, my friend Adario lived there for a couple of years, and um, he's African American and he's pretty tall. And the, those two things together, you know, he said he got a lot of looks. It was yeah. always like a big shock that for people to see. Oh, black dude. Yeah, my brother lived in Hong Kong, so he had the uh, the height thing, the height difference. Uh, but he always, my brother seems at home anywhere. He just settles in. This is the kid who walked across the country. He just, he just settles in. He's a nomad. <laughs> he walked across the country? Didn't I ever tell you about that? No, you never told me about this. Okay, before we get into like our real topics, I need to hear about Brett's brother walking across the country. Yeah. He he started in Savannah, Georgia and walked to Winona. So it was like half of the US. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty good cuz literally like cuz Savannah's right at the edge of the coast. Yeah. And Winona's dead in the middle of uh it's Winona, Minnesota. And so it's a long walk and he went through all these towns, and after weeks of training and, um, like, buying eight pairs of shoes and still running out of shoes and walking through tornadoes and everything, it was, it, he, we blogged it. This was before, like, WordPress even existed. Uh, oh, wow. But he had a little... So we used move, movable type? <laughs> I did it by hand in HTML and he would send me updates oh from this God. little like Palm Pilot thing that you could hold up to a phone and it would it had like a built-in modem and yes, he could email the, 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 from a payphone. The 7X. Something like that. And he would send me oh, updates yeah. and I would write his blog posts and uh there were no pictures. Uh technology Obviously. had not advanced that far. How long did it take him? Uh, I think it was 3 or 4 weeks. Of walking every day. That's actually remarkably not terrible. Yeah, I could be far. off on the timeline. I'd have to look up the the dates on the blog entries, but yeah, he showed up. We walked into Winona. It was the whole newspaper team was there to meet him. Every all through the country, every city he went through, like people heard he was coming, and they'd invite him into parades and give him places to stay and offer him public showers and things. And that's pretty awesome. It was a total Forrest Gump thing. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, it was that was maybe maybe a crowning achievement. He's a he's a renowned artist. He's in art galleries and everything, but the thing that I will always associate with his life is that long walk. Very fascinating. I could never do it. No, I would get so I'd be like one day in, I'd be like, "You know what? I want to shower and I'm done." I'd just be bored. Walking I would be is bored boring. too. Well, I mean, I think today it would be like okay because like you got your phone and stuff. Like 
I'd have to have a lot of battery packs, which of course would then kind of weigh you down more. But like, <laughs> I'd be able to like listen to music and podcasts, and that would be okay. And register but... like Airbnbs for the town you are walking into. Completely, completely. Like it would be so. It would be actually be really funny to like envision how he would do that today because it would be a completely different experience. I almost feel like the way he did it. I guess what, like fifteen years ago? Uh jeez, I don't. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, was was a lot more hardcore and kind of cool because like it, you had the digital aspect and that he was using like a Palm Pilot or whatever, like a payphone to you know send his stuff. But and you were you were you know posting the HTML, but like. Today, yeah, literally, you would be able to use the Airbnb app and you'd be able to use Twitter or Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever. The whole thing would be Instagram today, it right? It could the be, but thing. I feel like he would go Luddite and do the exact same thing no matter he what era he would, lived in. But, but, but the thing – well, yeah, the interesting thing is, though, is that if he did full Luddite today, no one would care. The only way he would get, like, the towns and, like, the newspaper people, like, paying attention would be if he used social media. He could he could tweet the trip without getting too technological. That would tw- Twitter would actually be a wonderful replacement for the uh, the payphone blogging thing. Oh yeah, no, totally. Twitter would be perfect for that. I'm just saying that in terms of like you know having the towns meet him there and having people volunteer to give him stuff. Like today, you would have to be on social media for anybody to care because if it's just some some dude walking in, like no one's gonna care. Yeah, like the publicity side, like you could have yeah. your your phone to like create a map of where you've been and where you're going and people could see your progress like exactly. real time like follow along with you. <laughs> you you could wear a gopro oh my god that's what it is live you, cast you periscope the whole thing <laughs> actually that would be kind of a badass periscope right like just somebody walking it'd be more exciting than most eagle nest videos Totally. It'd be kind of like, a, you know, our, our, our favorite man in the world, Nick Offerman, uh, <laughs> did a uh, thing this week for. Oh, that's right. The sitting in front of a fire. Drinking bourbon yeah. for 45 minutes. He's not yeah. saying a damn thing. You know, that is awesome. <laughs> That is that's like awesome. my sort of like that's that 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 is like the perfect Yule log and and first of all the Yule log um, especially in New York like it's amazing because every holiday season there is literally just a channel dedicated to the Yule log and I've seen that in hotel rooms yeah no it is fantastic like people have like screensavers and and, and other ways <laughs> of doing it but there's something kind of great about turning on a local television station that on Christmas just gives up its its you know eyeballs or whatever to the yule log and the ratings are actually pretty freaking great i have a fireplace i could do some no i'm not i'm not enough of a celebrity to get anyone to watch my fireplace someday you never know again again you should just set up a periscope and just test it out because i bet more people would be tuned in than you would think i remember when grant and i first got together when we first met before before we were actually together we were doing um uh the squad cast, which was download squad yeah. RIPs, um, video, um, blog series. And, and this was like in 2007. And, and so we would live stream on Ustream our, um, production meetings. And I remember one day, I mean, and, and, and people like, I mean, I remember at times like we'd have like hundreds of people watching us just like sitting in our room, just like reading stuff, like not even talking to each other. And one time we left the stream going on the kitchen and we went out to eat with like, we went to five guys or something. Like we came back and like pe- like hundreds of people were just like watching the kitchen like nothing was literally happening like it was literally just like a blank screen. <laughs> Which for you stream is actually a pretty good crowd. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think Chris Perillo and people like that would sometimes like like share our stream onto their stream. Yeah. So this was like that was so so long ago in a completely different era when I guess it was more avant garde to be able to do that sort of thing. So like people were like, oh look, it's people, whatever novelty. Um, Novelty. I remember getting a text from a friend who's like, "Why is your apartment on my RSS reader?" <laughs> like, dude, I don't know. Wasn't there a reality show shortly after um, uh, the Real World that was basically just hidden camera, twenty four hour streaming? Oh yeah, Big Brother. Mm. That would be it. I never saw it. It's still going on. It, it's a competition thing. But what they do and what they did for a while is they actually had like a thing where you could pay money to have access to their stream like 24 seven. 
um, because, you know, they would air it, like, three times a week, and, like, one of the eliminations would be live, but the other stuff would be, like, culled together from, like, the cameras that were there. But you could actually go to the Big Brother website and watch the live streams and just see, you know, the minute, the minutia of the, of the contestants talking to one another and doing other things, which was actually kind of fascinating from, like, a voyeuristic perspective to just kind of see them, you know, late at night drinking and talking and, you know, doing the things that we all do when you're kind of, like, in a stuck situation where you can't go anywhere. Yeah. Do you want to know what the only two reality shows I've ever watched are and why? Yes. I watched all of season one of Survivor because uh, I was Amazing. in I was in rehab. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was only one TV, and that was what the majority wanted to watch. Oh, uh, Rupert was so... Uh, not, not, it wasn't Rupert, it was, uh, <laughs> I Richard, don't remember Richard. anything about Richard, it. Richard, who was the evil guy who ended up winning. Okay. And then uh, Real Housewives of... Orlando is it's, it's a mock um it's a mock re, uh, reality TV show with yeah. really good comedians and it's it's as horrifying as any real reality yeah. show and just as scripted and I think it really comes out to be the same thing. Oh, I'm sure that it totally does. So I watch I don't watch all the housewives because there's too many of them and I just don't have time, but I do dabble like real housewives of Beverly Hills just came back and I always am like, I'm not going to watch again. I'm not going to watch again. And then something will happen like this week, Yolanda Foster and David Foster announced that they're separating or getting divorced. And Yolanda is, is she had a, a Beverly Hills season. She had like this amazing house in Malibu. She had this fantastic fridge. Like her fridge has a Twitter account. Like it's like this amazing, amazing refrigerator. And then it turns out she has Lyme disease, which um, is terrible and, and it can be debilitating and have lots of other stuff. Now, Yolanda, of course, even though she has more money than God, doesn't go to real doctors. She like goes to homeopathic BS, right? Like she's like not getting treated, in my opinion, in the best way. But she's like trying to like find a way to to be properly treated, uh, treated, and and all this stuff. And so it's put a strain on their marriage. They had to sell the the Malibu house so she could be in a condo. The day of the season premiere, because these people are nothing if not brilliant, they announce that they're separating. And so, of course, I had to tune in to the show that night to see if they mentioned anything about it. And it's not except that David's out of town all the time and that she's alone in this apartment. And then her friends, her quote-unquote friends, are, like, completely bitchy about how she's coming out to dinner and doesn't have her face on and how terrible she looks and what the hell is wrong with you and how how dare you come to our house without full makeup on and and how dare you have Lyme disease. Um they're they're awful people, Brett. They're really the worst. But well, at the same time, the it's a fantastic show. Well, the script writers are, too. Well, the, but these are real people who are volunteering to take part in this. These are real rich people. Yes, but it's still scripted. I know it's scripted. <laughs> what I'm saying, though, is that I think you're an awful person if you agree to say those lines. I, I think you're an awful person if you hear the words reality TV and then sign a contract. <laughs> That's what I loved about um, uh, Real, Housewives of, over, uh, real Housewives of Orlando was uh, there was a marriage. Uh, the husband was uh, um, Keegan-Michael Key from Key and Peele, and he, was, he wanted to be the star, so they would arrange divorces and fights and all kinds of things just to get publicity, and he would try to steal the show everywhere. It was realistic. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of TV, there's been a lot of good TV. Did you oh, my God. There's been so much good TV. You saw uh, Jessica Jones, right? Oh, my God. I'm, ins- I'm obsessed with Jessica Jones. In fact, I did a podcast the other night um, about episodes five through eight of Jessica Jones. Um, I, yeah. I. Oh, my God. What a good show. I watched the whole thing in two days. Yeah. I, I, it took me about a week because there was just so much. Um, I mean, it's just it's a lot. Kristen Ritter is – she was perfect for the role. She was absolutely perfect. And I'm going to be flat, uh, upfront and honest. I have not historically been a fan of hers. I really liked her on Breaking Bad. Um, and I tolerated her on, you know, Don't Tell the Bitch in Apartment 23. Yeah, but I didn't love that show. I didn't either. I didn't either. That's the thing. And and I really hated her on Veronica Mars, which is how I first came to know her and how I think most of us first came to know her because I just didn't think she was a great character or a good actress then. And, you know, that's like more than 10 years ago. So she's obviously gotten a lot better. But I have not been a huge fan of hers. And so when I first heard about the casting, even though the um, preview that everybody saw was – was everybody was ooing and gnawing over it. I was like, I, I don't know. And then I watched it and I went, not only did they nail the casting perfectly, but I am now a like full on Kristen Ritter fangirl. Like yes. way to go. Me too. I, kind of the same story for me. I really, she wasn't on my radar before this, 
but then seeing her, I, you know, I remembered what I'd seen her in before and none of it was overly memorable to me. Like I yeah, never I just, disliked her. I never thought she was a bad choice. I but... never thought she was bad. I just, she didn't do anything for me. I did like her in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, because I thought that, and again, it's kind of, it's weird. It's like, she'd always for years, I think been cast in like these quirky girl, like roles of kind of like these kind of humorous sort of things. And it's like when they got rid of that and just let her kind of embrace like the darker character, which was kind of the same thing, you know, in Breaking Bad a little bit. Yeah. Like it was so much better. Like when they got her off of a sitcom, when they (laughs) had her stop trying to be funny. Right. Well, yeah, I think she's really awkward. She's great at delivering like funny badass lines. Yes. But yeah, being, being this comic side relief is not her, her place. No, it's not. But no, but she's great on it. And the show is just, it's so good. And it's good in a way. What I like about it is I haven't seen all of Daredevil. I watched some of it. I love Daredevil. I like it. I just haven't had a chance to finish the whole thing. There's so many TV shows. Um, But the thing (laughs) is, is, you know, like Daredevil is one of those, you kind of still have to know a little bit about Marvel to really get into, right? Like you need to know what's going on. This is a show that's in the Marvel universe. But if you were to watch it and you had never seen the Avengers, had never seen. Well, I, I never heard of Jessica Jones. I did not I know her character. Know her. I mean, I'd heard of it, and I knew that it was a graphic novel, but I, I knew nothing about her character either. But I would go one step further. Not only do you not need to know about her character to be able to get into this show, you really don't need to know anything about the Marvel Universe at right. all. Yeah. Because it's part of it, and, and they make allusions to you know the the, the Great War and, and, and all those things that are happening. And, and obviously, you live in a world where superheroes exist. You know, the big green guys, they keep calling the yeah. Incredible Hulk. But like... This is one of those things where you really don't have to, in any way, be part of that to still enjoy, appreciate, and get a lot out of the show. Agreed. It's a, it's it's a it's an offshoot of the universe. It, it doesn't really. Uh, there's this whole event where, like the super, the people with the powers, are are attacked, fought, which I guess is coming in civil war. But yeah. Um. I, I don't, it really doesn't matter. Like you really don't need to get any of those references to follow the show. So no, no. I mean, it's it at its heart, it's just a really good noir show, you know, and an adult noir show. And it's funny because you've seen Veronica Mars, right? Yeah. Okay, so it reminds me a lot of Veronica Mars if Veronica Mars didn't take place in high school, <laughs> but 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 took place you know as an adult and not the not the movie and not you know the the, the one year when they tried to go to college and it sucked, <laughs> you know. But like if it was like genuinely like an adult Veronica Mars, like yeah. that's it reminds me so much of that. I'd go with that, um, which I think is a really good thing. And um, I, uh, you know, David Tennant is so good in it. Yes. Um, as Kilgrave. And, and it's amazing because he's he's my favorite Doctor Who, like, now and forever. <laughs> and it's now going to be hard for me to go back and, like, watch old episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah, Because he's so good as this just terrible character. You know, he's, as a villain, his his villain is genuinely scary, is genuinely frightening, is genuinely, like, awful in a way that most movie and TV show villains just aren't. Right. Well, and from a from a writing perspective, they gave him basically the ultimate superpower yeah he can make anyone do anything uh but they didn't they still let it he had flaws he had weaknesses and he was i don't know he he wasn't superman you know you didn't feel like he was impervious but you felt like he was truly truly bad oh yeah no completely like like an old level that even lex Luthor like never you know to go back to 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 mix metaphors a little bit go to dc like even lex Luthor like isn't that bad I wish he'd yeah. been a little more conflicted uh, as a character, like, you know, like more a gray area instead of just like straight black and white. She was a conflicted character. She was so conflicted. And that's what's great about her is that she's this she's not the perfect victim. She's not the perfect hero. Right. Like she's flawed. Like she and she she's does some person. messed up stuff. She's a person. <laughs> she does some messed up stuff. You know, she has good intentions and she tries to be selfless. Like we were talking about this on, on the podcast that I recorded an episode of um, TV on the um incomparable um and and somebody was making a point about how selfless she is and someone else made a point that's like she's selfless because she is because she gives up a lot of herself for other people but she's also selfish and you don't often see that combination and you also don't see when someone is like the victim of trauma and 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 of abuse and of of rape like she is you know 
they they're painted as like the perfect victim, you know, like right. Oh, look at how terrible you know their lives have been. They can do no wrong. Um, don't want to get into spoilers for this for people who haven't listened, but the hope character is very much like kind of the innocent, you know. Yeah. But like Jessica's not like she's a victim for sure. I love but that it's... there was a support group for victims of the the bad guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, because can you imagine? I mean, because this whole thing is that he can make people do anything and they are aware of what's happening, but they can't stop it. So they know that it's wrong, but they can't stop it. And so you've got to think to me, it kind of makes sense. And you and I talk about this a lot, you know, like with mental health, where a lot of times like so many people feel guilty about the fact that they can't control their brain chemistry, which is a stupid bullshit thing to have to think about to, to get like upset with yourself. Like you can't make you know, your dopamine receptors work the right way, right? Right. But, like, can you imagine if you were in, like, a mind control situation, that would be even worse, where you're like, I should be better than this. I should have been able to, like, combat this. But it's like, but you can't because you're not in control. And I think that's really fascinating. This uh, this actually perfectly segues into another TV show I want to talk about that you haven't seen. But first I want to ask you, have you seen the previews for He Never Died? Uh, no, I have not. When you said noir, I, I thought it's it's Henry Rollins as a noir, like lonely man with that's been alive forever with some superpowers or like super strength anyway. And it actually looks super good. Well, you had me at Henry Rollins, to be totally honest. <laughs> he he plays this like out of work drunk. I, I don't even know how I didn't you know, I've only seen the preview. I don't know any background on it. But yeah, he uh, he, he he ends up on a revenge rampage and it looks fascinating at least exciting if if not fascinating but anyway i binge watched a show on a recommendation from my friend marina eppelman this week marina's the best she's great and i I get so many cool tips from her and this one was for you're the worst which is you can find it on hulu i think i watched the first season on hulu or netflix and then the second season i had to get fx now to watch but i did um that's a long story it wasn't necessarily legit but um, i was gonna say because you're not a cable subscriber but i am a cable subscriber so i can totally watch the second season let's say let's say we all have friends who are cable subscribers Uh, we do we'll call it a family account um but (laughs) the show is about like the first it's about two people that are so terrible they can't be with anybody else in a relationship anyway and so it's kind of like terrible people but with their form of brutal honesty, they say things that I say, you know, <laughs> and the things that get me into trouble for being honest about. And I was fascinated by the characters. And then in season two, and I won't give anything away, but the season two deals heavily with clinical depression. And and his her clinical depression and his attempts to fix her and his lack of understanding of how out of con- out, out of his control and her control that situation is and that I could relate to. Yeah, no, totally. Um, speaking of, uh, uh, so I have to watch this show now and now that it, knowing that it's an FX show puts me totally on board because I love the league and obviously it's always Sunday in Philadelphia and yeah. the Americans. I love FX as a network and mm-hmm. Louis, like the whole uh, FX as a network just kills it. They just are the best. Um, I'm not loving American horror story this season, but I don't have to. I'm really looking forward to American crime story. The people versus OJ Simpson, that's going to be amazing. Um, oh, there's honest. a rock and roll with the, the one about 70s rock and roll yes. promotion. Yes. I'm, I'm going to start that one soon. Yeah. Obviously, Sons of Anarchy was the best. The FX is just great. Actually, they, they, that one's not out yet. The rock and roll one. Yeah. When it okay. starts, I will be there. Okay. I'll be there, too. I'll be there, too. So um, FX is my, is, is my jam. But uh, I, uh, I, I'm now definitely putting this on the list. Um but but speaking of uh, of, of mental health, um, how's your mental health? It is um it's interesting. So I I I told my my shrink that I'd never wanted to try another antidepressant again because I'd had bad luck with Wellbutrin and Prozac and all of that stuff that I didn't. Yep. So anyway, we talked and I was she asked me if I wanted to modify my uh, dosage of Lamictal, which is uh, Lamotrigine, mm-hmm. Lamotrigine, whatever. Um, and I said, no, because I get really bad withdrawal and I didn't want to up it anymore because it hurt too much to miss a dose. And we started talking and it turns out there's really no withdrawal from Lamictal. What I was getting was 
anxiety because lamictal part of it is an anti-anxiety drug and so when i'd go off it i would feel these physical symptoms that felt like withdrawal but were actually just clinical anxiety and realizing this made a huge difference so i did up my dose and everything uh from from mood swings to adhd stuff it all got better and so without adding any drugs, uh, I, I have actually reached a point where I am working at 100%. I am able to stop without any obsessiveness in the evening. The only problem is that it has seriously screwed up my sleep patterns. I am currently extremely um, worn out, like tired to the point of falling asleep sitting up. You could call it narcolepsy, but it's <laughs> insomnia-induced. Um and I sleep through the night, but I wake up super early and then I can't go back to bed. And it's it's killing me, so I need to figure that out. But other than that, just changing a dose of something I was already on and decide or like learning that I have anxiety. I didn't I didn't I'm, I'm not an anxious person. I don't fret about things, but apparently there's a wide spectrum of anxiety diagnoses. Yeah, no, definitely. I am. Um, I, I suffer from from both major depression and um, major anxiety disorder. And so yeah, and, and for me, that was kind of one of those things that I, when I when we figured out that it was like both components. And and I've definitely had that before where like, um, I haven't ever had it like mistaken for withdrawal. But I've definitely had that situation where one drug will do one thing. And if I'm not like, like serving the anxiety part, then like, all of it it falls apart. Well, and that's where Lamictal gets weird because it serves, it has antidepressant qualities, anti-anxiety qualities, and mood stabilizer qualities. So mixing it with anything else is a little bit unpredictable. Yeah, no, that would seem like it because that's, that's a lot to mix. It is. But, but if one drug can do the trick, it's oh, yeah. actually, it's actually well, kind it, of a miracle. Well, no, totally. I mean, then that's, I mean, I'm sure that that's why the Pfizer or whoever spent so much money on it. <laughs> but it's a, I can get the generic for 30 bucks out of pocket with no coverage. Wow. That, yeah. That's actually it's really dirt impressive. cheap. Anyway, I was going to mention on You're the Worst and the second season, there's this whole thing about an improv group and their improv that they show on the, on the episodes is horrible. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's what you think of when you think of improv. I've seen great improv. Windy City so stuff is just uh, like hilarious, double over laughing, but this was. This was like oh, I've seen horrible some terrible improv. improv. I've seen and, and 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 I'll be honest, I've been in some terrible improv. When I was in high school and I was in an <laughs> improv group, I'm sure that a lot of our stuff was not good. But at the same time, I was we were not under the mistaken opinion that it was good. There's the, the problem with so many improv groups now. I think is like so many people feel like oh, I've taken classes at this thing. I'm I'm good. See, that should disqualify you if you take improv classes. That should yeah. I, I there are probably improv. Mike Rose is a really good improv person. Yeah, no, but I mean, I think a lot of people take improv classes. I mean, that's how like UCB works. And and and. and but do they do it to become, or do they do it to improve their abilities in other areas? Oh no, they do both. I mean, that's how a lot of those. <laughs> that, that, that's that's how a lot of those uh, those troops get started. You know, as they meet kind of in classes and they do other stuff. You know, because that's how you need to practice to be able to be good at it. So here's what I do. My entire life I've done this, and it used to be called pathological lying. <laughs> right. But my wife, like, okay, so I will. Just randomly, when I get bored, um, which happens in conversation frequently, I will just say the first untrue thing I can think of. First thing that yep. crosses my mind, and I'll say it, and then I'll sell it. And I, I'll stick to, no matter how absurd or stupid it is, and eventually people will realize that I'm totally BSing. You're full, of, you're full of crap, right? And then it's funny to me and not always to them. But my wife has figured it out. She can, I have tells, apparently... She I'm can sure she do. can call me on it immediately, but she has learned to just play along, and we will do it in in company of other people, and I'll just say something, and she'll even do it now, and we'll just we'll just riff on it, and we'll just it's it's totally it's an improv show. Oh, it is an improv show, but I'm saying if you're trying to do like an actually like structured improv show, yeah, no, then it's, uh... there, there, there's certain games and things you've kind of got to got to learn and 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 practice with because especially if you are working with the same group of people time and time again, you need to know their tells, you need to know how to respond to them, and know like oh well, if this person isn't as fast on the pass, then you need to be able to step in, right? Yeah, well, the the switching out. off the switching off is is challenging. Like people who do that well, I'm impressed with. But and I mean, too, basically, if you 
glasses. If you follow the never say no rule, if you just go with whatever yeah. the other person says, never yeah. disagree. Never disagree. The problem is, is that that can become really just like, uh, like formulaic. Yeah, completely formulaic. Which again is what happens. A lot of people who take some improv classes, not like people who go to UCB and stuff, but people who take like some stuff, like they're just like really bad. And uh, that's what I look at for really bad improv when they're totally just following the the never say no. Well, rule. there is no formula for funny. I mean, there are formulas for like structure, but the tr the funniest improv is it comes from quick-witted people and yes you, you you can't in my opinion teach that no you can't teach that but that's the thing but you can get better or worse at responding to it and you can definitely get faster i think you've already got to be quick-witted but you can definitely get faster you get faster the more you work at it but whenever i think of bad improv i always think of that episode of the office when michael scott is at his improv class and and no one in the class wants to be with him they none of them want to be <laughs> around him they all just kind of like you know, he gets in trouble from the teacher and is, 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 is told to sit back. We told you no guns, you know, because he does the same thing every time where he just pulls out a gun. Michael Scar and FBI. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I love that so much. I, God, The Office is uh, especially, you know, when, when uh, he was on it, it was so good. Have you been watching Undateable this year? I have. The, they're 100% they're live now for anyone who hasn't yes. watched it lately. I Every... love Lawrence so much. Uh, who? The creator of the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He also created Scrubs, and uh, he created um, Cougar Town, and uh, was one of the creators of um, Sin City. And um, anyway, he's great. I will say that I watched Brent Morin's um, Netflix special. Uh-huh. It w was not good. Okay. Is that Brent Morin? Isn't that his name? Yeah, I, be I believe so. Um, But... It was it was bad, but he is good on Undateable. Undateable is fantastic. The uh, and, and I love I love them doing it live. There was a blackout in the last one. I don't know what happened in between, but they had gone off script. They were obviously improving at that point, and then it just cut to black for like five seconds, as in five second network delay. Right. And I don't know what went on in there, but it was. I know that'd be great. Funny. Like. That 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 would be a great thing if, for them to like release on streaming or whatever, like the uncut stuff. Oh, I'm sure they do. I've never looked for it, but I'm. I'm I haven't sure. either. But 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 I'm, I'm saying that would be like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of amazed that they get away with that they're even able to get away with doing the full live thing on the network. I mean, obviously they have a delay, but yeah, it's funny because remember the show Rock. Mm, not sure. It was on. Um, it was on Fox in uh, the early 90s, and it was on Sunday nights, like after In Living Color and, and before Married with Children. And um, it was this uh, show about like this guy, Rock, who I think he used to – I don't remember. It was, it was just like his family. It was like a family sitcom. And uh, the final season of that show, they did it completely live. Um, and it was uh, – I remember, like, you know, that was, it, it was, like, they would then air the reruns, but it was, like, a big deal that they were, like, doing it live on a soundstage, like, um, from, you know, broadcast. I mean, it, and it was funny, because they were, like, oh, look at this, this concert, because, like, that used to be how, how it was done. I mean, that's how the Honeymooners was done. Yeah. Well, well yeah, and it's a, it's a fascinating, um, Charles Les of... Dutton was, was rock, and he was a, bar, a, a Baltimore garbage collector, and Ella Joyce played his wife, Eleanor. It was just kind of like a, a traditional sitcom. Yeah. But then they, they, they switched into being like a live Well, and show. I think that makes a huge difference. I mean, Undateable totally. was funny before. The writing was, in my opinion, like from the first time I watched it, once I realized that the laugh track was a live audience, it changed everything. And, uh, and now that they're doing it live and you can actually see them every once in a while stutter or stumble over a line or do <laughs> Do an improv that catches everyone off guard and every everyone on screen is shocked. And those moments, it's uh, the the SNL um, video that went around uh, this week, just since yesterday. Uh, there was one who, uh, what was going on in that video? Oh, alien abduction. Did you see that one? Yes. Uh, like when when she was able to just make the entire like entire sketch stop. Because everyone was breaking character and cracking up. That was, those moments are to me, uh, way more valuable than a really good line right before a cutaway, which are my second favorite ones. Oh. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Totally it reminds me of Farley. <laughs> yeah. 
so I just looked it up and it turns out actually Undateable is the first live show since Rock. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a risky proposition. It is, which is funny because <laughs> it's been like 20 years, 22 years since anybody bothered to do that. Yeah, and they're doing it well. So anyone who hasn't tuned into that, I recommend it. It's on Hulu. And they they air both East and West Coast versions. Although a week later, some I think the West Coast one always disappears. Yeah, I mean, they probably just choose whatever the better one is. Because yeah. ER, which famously did its live episode. Right. Um, and they did it twice, which yeah. was kind of amazing. Because, I mean, it's one thing to do a well, sitcom. That, that episode was like single camera, one shot, yes. crazy Yes. Like one take kind of episode. One that take was cool. Sort of episode. It was amazing. And and that was the thing. The one that they then like used for re airing was the East Coast one because they, you know, were probably higher energy and, and other stuff. And that's the one that's on the D V D version of, of the show. But um yeah, and, and that did it reruns. But I remember watching ER live. I remember that when that happened and it just being like, um, what's her face? Um from um um Lisa What's Her Face from um House was in it. I don't um, remember. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was like some fantastic TV. Yeah. There, yeah. Live TV should be explored more as a medium. Now that it seems completely outdated, it should be. I mean, in, oh. a, in a Periscope age, I think it's more relevant now. Well, it is. And it's also, I think it's interesting, too, that it would be interesting to like do it in the era of like, um, like uh, streaming. Because can you imagine having a live streaming show? Well, I, on Undateable, they'll... <laughs> a couple times now they've given out a cell phone number just randomly and then they'll accept texts and they'll riff yeah. on them while they're performing. That's so genius. That is. I mean, and I always watch, you know, TV uh, like on demand so I don't get the full live experience. But you can tell that audience members are like <laughs> punching in cell phone numbers while they're watching. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. um, Let's see. I wanted to take this into, oh, you know who improvs really well and a lot of his funniest lines are uh, improv. You find out later that an actor like made up a line. Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. No, of course. I mean, he's the best. And I have to say that uh, Will Ferrell with Mark Wahlberg is the one other of guys. my favorite combos oh. ever. Okay. We've talked before on this show about how we both love Mark Wahlberg. Yes. And... I, I think that he is so – I mean, people obviously know Ted. I didn't ever see the sequel, but I loved the original. You know, people know that he can be a funny guy, but because he's so good-looking – The and because sequel was so, all right, too. Was it? It wasn't Ted, but it was all right. It was I, fun. Flash I mean, Gordon the, was in it. The trailer looked fun, and I liked the fact that they had Tom Brady in it because that just seemed yeah. great. But but no, but but he's such a funny guy, and, and like you don't want to think that because, A, you know, he was like, you know, Calvin Klein model, and he was Marky Mark, and like, and like it's, it took a lot for us to buy him as, as a dramatic actor, and he's a good dramatic actor, right? Like, he's an Academy Award nominee um, twice, um, but he um, he's also really freaking funny. He's better at comedy, in my opinion. Um, he, I think he, he's as, as the straight guy in a comedy duo. Yes. Oh, he's, he's one so of the good. best. He is. And and the other guys is I think one of Adam McKay's like most underrated films. So, you know, he's the guy who did, of course, you know, Anchorman and um Talladega Nights and Step Brothers and um all the other like big Wolf Ferrell films. And um I and I love the other guys. I well and I love I love Anchorman. I loved Anchorman too. I love Step Brothers. Step Brothers would be one of my favorite comedies ever. But the other guys, to me, ranks above all of them. It it's the whole conceit is just genius, you know, because it opens up and it's it, who is it? It, it? It's the Rock and it's uh, is it Jamie Fox? Who's who, who's who's the other guy? It's uh, no, it's uh, it's the one I do from the Avengers. Yeah, Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson. So it's Samuel Jackson, the Rock. You know, it opens up with the two of them like saving the day and everything's happening. In an it, insane, insane chase scene with a car insane. going through a bus and forcing it to spin out and smash into the, it was hilariously overblown. Yeah, and and then it's like, okay, you know, you think that it's going to be about these guys, and then it's no, it's like actually let's let's do the buddy cop film about the two other dudes, right? Because those guys die within the first ten minutes of <laughs> right. the movie. But right. best scene, in my opinion, was when they. It was almost a, a, I don't know. It was a low budget scene. Let's put it that way. They they drive up to an accounting office and it explodes, and they're both left laying on the ground, half deaf, bruised and bloody. And Will Ferrell goes off on how 
he can't believe that anyone ever shows a good guy walking away from an explosion, which right. was also a really sketch with by the uh, the Lonely Island. The, the don't look back song they did but yeah but will ferrell's going off on how he calls bullshit on anyone who ever does that because anyone close to an explosion is gonna hurt like hell it was it was very good yeah no it was so good and and the two of them together are just like great and, and the and tlc references oh, oh my, my god, god. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we do that my wife and i do that to each other all the time just randomly slip in like waterfalls or or creep and oh yeah <laughs> see if anyone notices I, I I was playing this uh this trivia game the other day and it's like this it's called like Song Pop or something and it's like this music trivia game and I was playing it on the Apple TV um against some people from competing publications and uh <laughs> I uh I won naturally. Of course. Of course. I mean it was it was a simple it it, it was it was like level 1 so it wasn't even hard but it, I I won like hardcore like it wasn't even close. And one of the ones was like like no scrub started playing on it. and i heard like the little like little thing and i was like oh come on it's tlc and uh but i could i, I you know yeah um what's the actor who does all who in the other guys his uh he was birdman oh uh, michael keaton yeah i'm really yeah, bad with names too. but yeah he he was he would just like say lines from tlc songs and... yeah it was so great it's like don't go chasing waterfalls <laughs> he had some really really bizarre ones but um there's a game i was going to ask you about that g mcdonald introduced me to rock on have you seen rock on on ios i haven't you should check it out it you you pick like well you go sequentially through categories and it'll be like 70s rock and 80s pop and uh like 2010 pop hits and and it'll just play you like oh no this is the same game it's song pop it's the same game it, what, this isn't song pop though no it's it's rock on it's a song pop adventure oh yeah you're right okay awesome so i didn't know that was yeah. that's on the apple tv um it's coming to the apple tv it'll holy be on crap. the apple tv it'll be on the apple tv by the time this episode goes live i will play the living bejesus out of that that's like my favorite thing and aditi's really good at like 80s pop and i'm really good at 70s 80s 90s rock so between the two of us we could own a yeah, game night. And, and and then what they're doing is they're they're making it like um sketch party TV style so you can use your phone yes. as a controller. Yes. Perfect. So yeah, so it's one of those things where you hear like a little clip of a song and then you can kind of fight against each other. It's got a you don't know jack quality to it. Yeah. It, it's great on the Apple TV. I I bought a an SNES controller for my Apple TV, but it doesn't oh, work with you? my Apple TV. Oh man. It was it it was Bluetooth and Everyone had assumed, and I was told, I, I check around, it was like, oh, yeah, I should work fine. But there's this very specific Bluetooth specification. You have to get something with an M. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, but I'll look harder next time. I got this one on sale, but I wish it worked. It works with my iPhone, though. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It'd be, I, be it'd be cooler if we could actually play emulated games on the iPhone without jailbreaking, but hey. <laughs> well, see, I want, on my Apple TV, there are a lot of games that I enjoy playing, but the remote is a horrible game controller. It is. It is. It's a horrible game controller. But I also don't want an Xbox, two joystick, eight button. Right. I don't want all that. I just want the old, like, Nintendo or Super Nintendo controller. Totally. That'd be perfect. Just an arrow pad and two to four keys. That's all I want. And I haven't found it yet. No, I mean, and that's, and in fairness, I mean, like, again, that's how Nintendo kind of got the Wii right, was that they had, like, the Wii remote, right? But then they had, like, the controller, and you could get, like, like the original one, like, you know, you could, they they made it very, like, SNES-like. It was, it had a couple more buttons, but it wasn't, like, a full-on, like, thing. Did you know if you wake your Apple TV from sleep using an old silver remote, you get uh, the old-style uh, text entry fields? <laughs> I like did the not grid know that. format so you don't have to do that horizontal line of of letters oh my god i no, i didn't know that it's, it's not practical i mean no you, you can't use, use your silver. other remote but... i was gonna be like i don't know where, i don't even know where my silver remote is i've lost it so many times i have a bunch and shuttle sales are up i don't know why <laughs> I, I don't they, know what happened like, but... it's like it, it, and I, I know you make it very clear on the page this does not work with the new apple tv well and and i'm working on that i'm working on i know new, you are i know one, you are but... But yeah, like I'm getting like twice as many orders now uh, for the old silver remote shuttle. Uh, maybe it's Christmas time. Maybe I should boost. Maybe I should do some advertising for Christmas. You should. You should. You should buy some advertising. Hey, you should buy advertising on our podcast. 
Oh yeah, I need to. <laughs> well, I need to send out a new sponsorship email to try to drum up some new people. So yeah, I'll I'll sign up for that. I'm in on that. If you're if you're a small company vendor or a huge company with a great advertising budget, give us a call. Give us a call. We, we will talk about your product like we actually like it because I'm sure we will actually like it. Considering the millions of listeners we have, we're actually very affordable too. We are. We are. I mean, and we do. We have millions upon millions of listeners. Yes. See this. This is this is us doing that improv thing right now. Right, and this is this is where you can't see my tells. Right, and you can't see mine either. And and I'm telling you right now, we have literally millions of listeners. I mean, we're bigger than the Mark Maron show. We're bigger than This American Life. Bigger we're than bigger Jesus. Than cereal. We're, we are bigger than Jesus. I mean, but we knew that. Yeah. I mean, my name. Look, in fairness, Christ is in my name. Yeah, the, it is. I. It took me a second because I was thinking of Warren. I'm sorry. Yeah. Should have been okay. faster on that. Should have been faster on that. No, Christ is in my name. Psst, is in my name. <laughs> Um, you know, did, did you hear who I had as my last guest on Systematic? No. Uh, Jillian Arminante. Oh, who, cool. She's been in everything from Judging Amy and then a hundred in between. Uh, she was like in, uh, Dark Knight Rises. And... No, 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 I know exactly who she is. No, cause I love Judging Amy. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, she was Donna. Have you, yes. Have you seen Kittens in a Cage? I have not. She, she directed, she wrote, directed, produced shot and even did most of the editing for this tv show you can find on hulu as well as amazon on demand and other places but uh just look up kittens in a cage it's a it's a short kind of mini series about a women's prison but in the 50s oh cool and the actors are excellent it's hilarious it's campy it's super campy and she described how she shot a lot of the scenes like basically in her backyard uh, and her her five year old daughter uh, gets shot in the back walking down a street, which is like a couple blocks from their home. But you can't tell; like the whole thing is, it feels like a larger budget set. She did it off a Kickstarter, fifty seven thousand dollar campaign budget. Nice. It's good. Yeah, I recommend. She, that one. She's a she's on fresh off the boat. Yes, which I've actually, when I first watched that show, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sink my teeth into it right away. Uh, it I had to get through about half the season before yeah, I really fell little, in it love. Took a little longer than it took a little longer for me too, but I really like it. Well, and the mom character turned me off on the first episode, but by by this point in the season, she's one of my favorites. Her and the youngest child, yeah, are just they're excellent. Their characters are somewhat unpredictable. Like you, you can guess what their feeling on anything will be, but then they will say things that. Uh, maybe you, you couldn't have written based on a formula. It was good. I'm enjoying it. But well, yeah, I she, I, Jillian. I can't, wait your, can't wait to hear your, your uh, show with Jillian. Yeah, I, I recommend it. Um, I love Judging Amy. That was one of my favorite shows. I enjoyed it. Well, it was one of the few shows we were allowed to watch when I was that age, like, with the family anyway. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, basically... But but it's like a pretty freaking liberal show, right? Like It is. I mean, the whole, I mean, it the is, whole but thing, it was I mean, very clean. It was very clean, but it was, a, well, kind of clean. I mean, one of the brothers was, like, out of rehab and some other stuff. And, like, you know, Amy was the judge and her husband had left her. And, like, her mom was the, you know, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the... Um, I don't even remember. No, she, she wasn't a counselor. No, no, no. She wasn't a district attorney. She worked at a, a she was a social worker. Ah. You know, and she, you know, she, she's, she's a family court judge. But, like, there was a lot of stuff going on. I can see on. what you're saying. I can see like, what you're there, saying. It, and it was a very... Very, very liberal show. I'm looking this up on Wikipedia now. Apparently, starting on July 17th, 2011, Gospel Music Channel, now Up TV, began telecasting the show starting with a pilot episode. GMC aired the show with edits to some of the language, certain scenes blurred out, uh, out of order, and some episodes missing. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like wholesome enough for like the Gospel Music Channel or Up TV, the uplifting entertainment, but like too liberal and not quite wholesome enough for them to be able to keep everything in place, which Interesting. I kind of love. Well, now, now I appreciate it even more. The fact that my mom could stand watching it. Well, and I'm just a huge Amy Brenneman fan. Yeah, for sure. From, from, from the time she showed her ass in the pilot episode of, um, in my PD blue, <laughs> look, that is what she will be forever known for. Right. Like 
I mean, she'll be known for many other things. She was on Private Practice, obviously, Judging Amy. You know, she's a good actress. She's been in, in um, um, Your Friends and Lovers. Like, she's been, she's, she's a good actress. But, I mean, she showed her ass on primetime TV, which in 1993 was like this groundbreaking moment. Um, if it makes her feel better, I, uh, I never watched NYPD Blue, and that is not how I will always remember her. That's good. Because I'm, I'm, I'm an outcast in that. Do you watch know. The Leftovers? She's also on The Leftovers. I've seen a couple episodes, yeah. Uh, and I I kind of, it's one of those I want to go back to. Yeah, it's a good show. The second season's actually better than the first. Yeah. We should talk about music. We should talk about oh, music. Oh, I have a segue. Yeah, what's your segue? Did you see Amy? Yes. Music documentary about Amy Winehouse. So good, I thought. I Yeah, see, okay. I From an editing perspective and storytelling perspective it was brilliant because it had no voiceover Mm -mm. the only captions are to set date contexts and um but all of the storytelling is done through snippets of interviews with friends and people who actually knew her with an amazing amount of video that is the beautiful thing about (laughs) modern modern documentaries it would as well it's uh ace of capata um who directed the documentary he also directed a documentary called Cinna and Cinna um was about the um 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 race car driver um Ayrton Cinna who was Brazilian and who who died um on the track and and but he was like the best he was like the best Formula One racer like he was like really spectacular and that documentary kind of set the style for his whole thing because there was some interviews some voiceovers with people that you could hear over footage but you never cut to those interviews. So the entire story was literally told through home videos and racing videos and other information. So, and, and, and what made that more, I think, impressive even than Amy was because, A, he, he grew up in Brazil. You know, he started racing in 1984 and there was literally home movies of him like as a kid. He happened to come from a wealthy family. And literally his entire life story was told up through his death because the crash was captured on camera. Yeah. You know, they they had they had they had a camera inside the the car, um, was told. You right. know, well, the it, entire thing was told on video, which is amazing. They're amazing because you know how they end. Uh, you know, it's not a, an expose. It's you know how no. it's going to end, and you see, especially with Amy, you see the yeah. decline. Oh yeah, uh, and you see the the turmoil, and you don't have any expectation that she's going to come out the other side. And it ends with video that, you know, the paparazzi shot. I also, I love the shots of the paparazzi shooting her. Yeah. Because it, it, for me, it it reveals a lot of what life would be like once she got famous. Um, And I would, I would hate to walk out of my house and be going down a back alley and have five people following me with flashbulbs. Oh, no, totally. But it was, it was astonishing to me. How little, even now, her friends and family understood about addiction in general. Oh yeah, no, it, it, you know her father is is very upset about the film, and 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 feels like he's you know like he's mad about it because he doesn't come across great, but he didn't act great, you know. No, like he 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 he. But I feel like he didn't know. I feel he didn't like... know, but now, but it's like he must have blamed the filmmakers for showing off, <laughs> yeah. you know, his lack of stuff. Because he was, I, I, I put a lot of, I put a certain amount of, I don't think the film puts blame on him. I feel like he, he came from a good place, but I also feel like he was about the fame. He was about furthering her career for his own reasons. I think a lot of them were. So, A, I think you're right. A lot of it was how much they didn't know and still don't understand about addiction. But I think a lot of it was also they didn't want to know. They didn't want to see well, it because they he, saw her as He was talent. and is a cab driver. He, she was a ticket to a better life. Right. I can and, understand and that. I can understand it, but I also feel like now, I mean, especially with, the, with what's happened, it's like recognize – I mean, I don't expect them to do it in the film or, or maybe even personally, <laughs> but I guess you would, you, would, you would think that maybe like as people they might like have some sort of realization in the aftermath – we didn't want to see this, but it's like that's not the case at all. They still are completely in denial. Like, well, even yeah, and all through the up. film, the blame is placed on boyfriends and yep. and inaction by producers and managers, and yeah, and pressures of being famous. But ultimately, it's the same story as any exactly junkie. 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, and, and that's the one part of it. Like, you know, they do like show the pressures of the media and other stuff. But I feel like the family is so quick to want to like blame the media for why she was an addict. And it's like, yeah. actually, that had nothing to do with why exactly. she was an addict. Exactly. Like her, her addiction had nothing to do with that. You know, if, if, if anything, for some people who had a different support system and, and were different, that sort of attention might have even helped her get help. Right. Yeah. She was going to take that path no matter what the the fame and the pressures of uh, popularity may have accelerated it uh, for sure, but she would have been there even if she had never been on camera at all. No, totally. And, and, and what's interesting, I mean, you know, is that there's this weird dichotomy with her because, and, and you see it kind of with her family and their response, because it's like the reason that she was famous, what her music was about was the same thing she was struggling with. Her biggest like, hit was it was rehab. rehab. <laughs> but, but yet they don't want to see that. Right. It's like, they want to think like, oh, that's just, that's not a real thing. And it's like, she's literally like, that's her entire life. And they didn't want to see it. I did really love how they showed her her, um, her journal, her her writing, like her handwriting, writing yep. out the lyrics to songs, everything she scratched out, everything she added, and then played the song, whether a live version or you know recorded version, right. and and you would it would put in context the music that we've all heard, but with the actual events in her life that not all of us knew about at the time we heard the music and it yep. adds a whole dimension. I didn't I didn't care about Amy Winehouse until I heard um her cover of Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. Yeah. That was it. Like I had panned rehab and everything, but after hearing that, I I gained an appreciation and dug back a ways and uh she was like she was like the um, junkie Nora Jones for me, and I always relate better to junkies than to right. non, to normals. Well, she, was just, she was just so talented, you know. I mean, like even like 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 Back in Black was just like a great album, and, and Rehab was a great song. But like, but but it was sad towards the end because you saw mm -hmm. just her destruction. I mean, like one of her last, you know, public performances when she was like performing and people she was booed, you know, at like that that show. Yeah, you know. Well, she kind of. She kind of failed at life. She did. Shows. Well, that was the thing. I mean, I remember writing about it, and, and I kind of felt bad afterwards, but then kind of didn't. I was like, you know, she was, to me, it was one of those things, like her label, her other people, they should have recognized when she's, when fans are literally recording the show because she's so high and so out of it that she can't complete stuff, and it's just, it's embarrassing, and it's sad. Like, why the people in her life, I mean, ultimately, she's the one who's responsible for her, but what the documentary kind of shows is that even at the very end, when it was so clear that she was just not in a good place. Yeah. They did everything they could to avoid dealing with reality. Well, and it, it was clear in her last tour that she, given the option, she would not have done it. No, she no, was exactly. pushed on stage. Exactly. Which I think was just ridiculous or wheeled in this game. Yeah. <laughs> Rolled up right. on a two wheeler. And, I mean, because that's yeah. basically what happened, you know? And, and, um, they, uh, it, which is to me why it's all the more fascinating that they agreed to do the documentary and then they weren't happy with how it turned out because it doesn't show her. I mean, it shows that that's the thing that was so tragic about it. She's this huge talent. And at the end, no one had her back. Right. Well, and I don't, I don't fault, I don't fault anyone. Okay. So I don't know what was omitted. It, it's possible to change context through omission as we all know. I mean, that's how Fox news works. Um, but I don't know, without knowing what was omitted, it seems to me that the documentary was told by these people that are upset now. Oh, they were. And that's the thing. They're upset because they didn't want, because it didn't make them, they, they totally were the ones who had control. But they, I think they just saw how their story came together and realized, oh, this narrative that we've crafted in our minds where it was the boyfriend, it was the media, it was the paparazzi, it was this and that didn't jive with the reality, which was, no, a lot of it was her and we didn't see the signs and we were too afraid or too selfish or too whatever to really do anything. To me, that's good documentary filmmaking. I agree. I'm with <laughs> you. But I, I can understand, I suppose, if you're the person who is, you know, on the other side of that and you're the one who kind of looks bad where you would immediately lash out and say, no, 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 no. That's not what we agreed to. <laughs> no, because no, I think no, no, no. I know I, that song. I, exactly. <laughs> but what I think they, what I think that they expected, was that by giving all this access, that would somehow be like a quid quo pro for the documentary and to 
um, tell it in, in through the lens that they wanted to tell it in. Right. And that's not how it works. But, that's but inadvertently, works. they they told the real story. So. Oh, of course they did. Because because they gave so much access. Because they had so much access, I think the real story was absolutely told. It's just a story that some people in her life maybe would like to pretend yeah. wasn't. Oh, for you know, sure. Because, for their because, own benefit. Right, that's what I'm saying. Because it does, they don't look great. Um, but you, know, you, you just see it, it's just a tragedy. Because I don't know if her ending could have been... Um, stopped it, uh, it, it could have been delayed i, I don't know could. it mean yeah i mean how long did scott whalen last yeah that was a long time for someone with his uh proclivities and and i mean we don't do we know what his cause of death was i assume that he probably just had heart failure well they're still saying died in his sleep i think yeah uh, but they found cocaine in the hotel room and arrested his bass player on suspicion of possession of cocaine but given his long history with drug abuse yes exactly. it's entirely possible there was no overdose just a right. matter of his body was done well then that's what i'm saying you know i mean like when i found out he was only 48 that was the most shocking part to me did you ever hear uh duff mckagan's moth radio story no. i'll look that up it's super good uh like Duff McKagan was in Guns N' Roses and then mm -hmm. in Velvet Revolver with with Scott Whalen. Scotland, yeah. And uh and he tells his story of addiction and recovery and he's alive. So he gets to tell the story himself, which is which is nice and uh he tells a very honest story on Moth Radio, which if you've never heard it is an excellent NPR show where amateur storytellers get up on stage and they record live tellings of stories usually around a theme and they are fascinating absolutely yeah. wonderful to listen to uh, even I'll, I'll generally hear them as i go to sleep and miss part of it but, but if you if you listen to them during the day and catch the whole story they're often uh both amusing and, and dramatic and it's i don't know and it's someone different every time it's really fun yeah, no, I, I've heard Mouth Radio before, but I haven't heard his. I will have to go listen to it. We'll put it in our show notes for sure. But yeah, but Scott Wayland, I mean, that was just, it was because we know what his history was and how much he'd struggled. Um, you know, it could be a lot of things. It could be that maybe he had stuff in the system. Maybe it wasn't an overdose. So it was just a constant thing. But it, you get kind of the sense it's like, yeah, you know, you couldn't be surprised Again, what surprised me was how young he was relatively. I figured I was like, four, he was only 48 because he seemed like he'd, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Seemed age, like age beyond his years. Totally. I and mean, he died in Minnesota. What celebrity dies in Minnesota? Where did, uh, where did Elliot Smith die? Dear Google, where did Elliot Smith die? Because he, he killed himself in his house or whatever. Right. Yes. Um, we, we went over that. <laughs> you, yeah. You taught me that it wasn't a murder. No. And and changed my entire uh, perspective on the end of Elliot Smith's life. But not yeah. my appreciation of his music. Well, no, because he's the best. If I mean, nothing else, it actually increased my appreciation of his music and his uh, image of a tortured artist. Because he was <laughs> yes. the ultimate tortured artist. Like, the ultimate tortured artist. You know, he, he got in a fight with his girlfriend and stabbed himself. Oh, it was in Echo Park, California. Okay. Okay. What what it was? I think he. I think the last show we played was like in North Dakota or or something. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. North Dakota. Is that? That's not even a real Dakota, is it? It's a real Dakota. Shut up. <laughs> oh man, non-existent states. I do not believe in Idaho. You don't believe in Idaho. I don't believe in uh, Utah. I think that is uh, fabrication by the Mormon Church. Well, it is. I mean, it was created by them. They, 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 they I don't got think they ever bothered to make it, though. Well, I think they just was, told everyone they did. Well, well what happened was they, they, uh, they got kicked out of every other state that they tried <laughs> to take over. Like, they literally got run out of town. They got run out of, like, Missouri. Like, they got run the fuck out of Missouri. They were like, nope. They got First, before that, they were run out of New York. Then they were run out of other places. And finally, they get to, like, the Utah Territory, and they're like, you know what? We'll just make this our own. And for whatever reason, the U.S. government was like, okay. Well, and kind of like, your godforsaken salt mine country, yeah, you can have it. Right, and then and then they 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 they're like, we will call this land bountiful, <laughs> and make our magic underwear. It'll right, be fun. we will. We will call it bountiful. Yeah, 
and oh, and we're gonna we're we're gonna kill some Indians and make it, or we're gonna kill some settlers and make it look like the Indians did it, even though the Indians had nothing to do with it. But we're gonna kill some settlers who come into our area and uh, and and massacre the hell out of them, um, and then hide it in our church, um, you know, history for a while and pretend like, oh no no no, that wasn't the case. It's like no, that was the case. You totally killed um, those uh, those settlers coming west. And I, I want to uh, see the drunk history version of this. Oh, I know. God, drunk history of the, of the Mormon Church though would be like. It'd be so good. It'd be so good. I because mean, there's so much screwed up stuff. Like, but like Joseph Smith, like the whole reason he had like plural marriage was because like his wife wouldn't let him have girlfriends. So he's like, no, woman, God has compelled me to have sex with this twelve year old child. She, he has yes. compelled me to make her my own, and you will, you will follow along with this because yes. that is destiny. So, how do you feel about having alienated all of Utah and our Mormon audience? What Mormon audience? I'm good with it. It's cool with me. What? What? Genuinely, what Mormon audience? Bye, guys. I mean, <laughs> I I don't think that honestly. I, I think that the Mormons are the the people who would like never listen to our show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree. We're I, not see, I could see at all. I could see people who vehemently disagree with us listening to our it, show, but I can't see any Mormon actually I caring. Any Mormons actually? I think I think that that would just be like, and hey, if you are Mormon, email you know. Christina at Christina.is and be like, bitch, I did listen to your podcast, but now I'm done. We'll have you on as a guest and we'll tell you what we think of you to your face. (laughs) We will. Or you can support yourself. But the thing is, they they wouldn't even email me bitch because they'd be too nice. They they might have magic underwear, but they are nothing if not unflailingly polite. (laughs) Well, we hit time. (laughs) We did hit time. (laughs) This has been um, fun, enlightening, and entertaining. Yes. Wait, fun and entertaining are very similar. Can you be both? Yes, you can because they're different. You can be entertaining but not like fun. Deal. Like, oh, this was an entertaining thing to do, but I didn't have fun doing it. Entertaining sounds derivative. It feels like, well, it was entertaining. Like, it like, wasn't good. It was It was entertaining. So this is like we're saying it was fun, entertaining, and good, frankly. And right. healthy. And healthy. Good for you. Gotta love it. I should get some sleep. You should get some sleep. I should get some sleep. Um, feel, feel, feel better, Brad. Hope you get some sleep because you have not been sleeping well. Correct. And uh, we're, we are on a bi-weekly schedule now. So. We are on a bi-weekly schedule. So every other week, enjoy us. I'll give you a call. I'll wake you up in a couple weeks. All right. Sounds good, Brad. Have a good one. The system is going down low.